All right. So I have a question for you guys this morning. Growing up, what was your favorite present you ever received during Christmas? Well, let me share. My favorite gift was receiving a Super Nintendo in 1992 from my parents or Santa Claus. I'm not sure. But I did get a Super Nintendo, and I was extremely happy and excited to get one. I was so excited that I felt like actually throwing up. I was that excited. I was fired up. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, my mom didn't record that moment with her camcorder. But I did find something on YouTube that really resembled that moment. So we're going to watch the video right now. Yeah, so that brings back a lot of memories, you know, a lot of good memories, right? I was really happy. Um, I was able to beat my brother in a Street Fighter, beat my friends in NBA Jam. But what happened four years later? PlayStation came out, right? And I lost my happiness in the Super Nintendo, and I wanted that PlayStation, right? And then what happens after PlayStation is Xbox came out, right? And then I forgot about my PlayStation and wanted the Xbox. But isn't that true with everything else in life, right? We get the iPhone 9, then what do you want? The iPhone 10, right? You, you want to get into your dream university like USC, UCLA, Cal Poly Pomona, Talbot, Biola. Those are my schools. But after you graduate um, college, you want that dream job, right? And then after that dream job, then you want that promotion, right? And then you want that car. Then you want that house. And that cycle never ends, right? We want more and more and more. And recently, I was reading an article on Tom Brady. He's the quarterback for the New England Patriots. And he shared about his success, and I found it extremely interesting. And this is what he said during the interview. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27, and what else is there for me? The reporter asked him, what's the answer? And Brady said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Right? And I think we have a picture of Tom Brady. That's Tom Brady right there. He looks really happy, right? 
But from that interview, you could sense there's a void in his heart. And I believe that he's missing that joy. And for us, um, you know, we could say that he's living the dream, right? He's making over $20 million a year. He's known as the greatest quarterback of all time. He married a Brazilian supermodel, right? So we're thinking, man, this guy has a set, but he's saying, no, that's not enough. Something is missing. So today I want to make a distinction between happiness and joy. Happiness comes from the word happening, happenstance, circumstances. So it comes from the outside in. When the happenings are good, we are happy. When the happenings are bad, we're not happy, right? Joy is from the outside, from the inside out, the other way around, right? So that's why the book of James tells us to count it all joy when we experience trials. James chapter 1 verse 2 tells us, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And as Christians, we are not waiting for good things to bring us joy and happiness. We bring joy with us because it comes from the inside, right? It comes from the kokoro in Japanese, right? Or in Spanish, I think it's korozon, right? The joy comes from our heart. And in Luke chapter 2, the Bible tells us about the greatest miracle of all time, the birth of Jesus Christ. He was born in a manger, and then close, uh, close by to the manger were some shepherds. And an angel approached the shepherd and said this from Luke 2, verse 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angel is telling us that Jesus will bring great joy. Not just joy, but great joy. And in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, I believe Jesus gives us reasons in why we can have joy in him. So if you could please open up your iPhones, because I know no one carries a Bible, to John uh, chapter 6, verse 1. And this passage is about how Jesus gave gifts to over 5,000 people by feeding them. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is a sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples the Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. 
He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. What an incredible miracle, right? And when the Bible says 5,000, they were only counting the men. So a lot of experts believe that if you factor in the women and children, that's up to 20,000 people. That's like feeding the Staples Center. And I think we have a picture of the Staples Center. That's a lot of people, right? And you're feeding all these people with just like a Lunchable. It's incredible, right? It's incredible. And you know what's more incredible is that of all of Jesus' miracle, this miracle is the only miracle that's been documented in all four Gospels. Do you guys know that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I believe Jesus is proving a point here. That he wants us to walk away with great truth and joy that would impact our lives. So in verse 1 and 2, Jesus has this big following. People are recognizing his miracles, are amazed by it. The chapter prior, he heals a paralyzed man before chapter 6. So people are leaving their homes. They didn't have cars back then, right? So families are leaving. They've been following him for all day. It was getting late, and they were getting hungry. And Jesus noticed their needs. And it leads us to our first point. That Jesus knows your needs and cares. And that's why we can have joy in Jesus. And just like the people that day, do you know that Jesus notices your needs? He knows them before they even occur. And let me tell you this morning. Again, Jesus loves you. And I know many of you might be coming in with a lot of burdens in your life anxieties, fear, sadness. But you know what? Jesus knows what's going on in your life. And you might say, well, Mako, you don't understand. I'm going, a, I'm going through a hard time with my kids, uh, my marriage, at work, financially. And you're right. I don't understand. But Jesus does. And he's with you. And he's walking with you all the time. And it's like when I take Jordan, my son, my eight-year-old son, on vacation. He doesn't worry about, man, where am I going to sleep tonight? Or am I going to have breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Because he knows that daddy has it all covered, right? He could enjoy his vacation. But we have ultimate joy knowing that this isn't our home. Our home is in heaven, And that Jesus is going to guide us back home. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus himself tells us, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, Casting all your anxieties on him, Jesus, because he cares for you. These verses do not sound like a God that doesn't care about you. Because he does. He does. 
And that's why we have joy in him. The second point I want to bring up is Jesus wants to partner with you. Think about it. He didn't need those five loaves of bread and two fish. Right? He's the creator of the universe. Colossians 1.6 tells us, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. God desires a relationship with us because he loves us. And God has given us the great commission in Matthew 28, verse 19. He tells us, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The key part is at the end. He tells us, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That God is with us. And one illustration I want to use was, is um, a couple weeks ago, my wife Amy, my beautiful wife over there, and my son Jordan, they made lemon bars for the Mission Valley youth. And there's a picture over there with Amy and Jordan. And Jordan's not in the room, right? Okay, because Amy... She could have probably made it on her own, right? She could have probably made it a lot faster and probably even better without Jordan. (laughs) But she wanted Jordan to be there because she has great joy doing together things with her son. And that's the same way. God wants to partner with us. And then also you see a comparison of the two disciples in that passage. You have Philip, right? He probably saw that situation as a burden, right? And he's probably like the nerdy type. He calculated everything out, got a calculator out. He's like, man, Jesus, there's no way we could do this. I think calculating is good, but Philip forgot to put Jesus in the equation. And that's what Andrew did. Andrew was obedient. He found a boy with five loaves of bread and two fish. And the boy gave Jesus everything that he had. And the key point from this is that it's not how much you have, but it's who you give it to. And he gave everything he had to Jesus. And with a little Jesus can take you a long ways. Amen? And that brought great joy for the little boy. Right? Can you imagine him afterwards saying, hey, I was part of Jesus's, one of Jesus' biggest public miracles. And we still talk about him 2,000 years later. Isn't that correct? We're still talking about him today. And the verse that's been really speaking to me it's from John chapter 15, verse 9 through 11. I think we have it on the Sky Bible. And the Bible tells us, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. 
Jesus gives us the secret of being joyful, is loving God and being obedient. And when I read this passage, I thought about Pastor Dave. Right, right now he's flying out to Myanmar. And I remember having a meeting with him last week, and we were talking about his missions trip. And I was telling him, like, aren't you like, worried? There's a lot of civil unrest. Myanmar is not the safest place to be right now. And you know what? He told me with a big smile on his face, he said, you know what, Mako? When you're obedient to God, there's great joy. There's great joy. And to me, that was a beautiful moment because I truly saw Pastor Dave abiding in Jesus' love. To the world, it doesn't make sense, right? It's like, hey, spend time with your family and friends for Christmas and New Year's. But he was telling me that God called him, Mike, and Grace over to Myanmar. And there's great joy in being obedient to the Lord. And the third point I want to bring out is Jesus satisfies. In John chapter 6, verse 12, as we continue on with the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with a piece of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Isn't that incredible? Jesus not only met their needs, he gave in an abundance. They had leftovers. There were 12 extra baskets full of food. And as we continue on to verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Jesus is telling us, don't pursue the earthly things. They all go away. The only thing that's going to last forever is having a relationship with Christ. And in verse 35, Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Isn't that incredible? That's a promise from God. Right? If you accept me into your heart, you'll never be hungry or thirsty again. And a month ago, I experienced this firsthand. I seen it with my own eyes. Where my wife, Amy told me that her uncle Roy is sick and he's diagnosed with cancer. So I went to go see Uncle Roy at the hospital. And I shared the gospel with Uncle Roy. He didn't accept Christ that day. But he did allow me to pray for him. So we prayed. And fast forward a couple of weeks later, my wife tells me that he's in hospice care now. And I go to his house, I'm looking into his room, and my wife Amy's there taking care of um, Uncle Roy. And he was in bad shape physically. He had a hard time breathing. He was trying to drink water, and he was actually choking when he was drinking water. And this is one of the most incredible moments of my life is when I walked in, 
he turned over and he had the biggest smile. And I'm not even exaggerating. I've never seen him smile in the 19 years I've known him. You could ask Amy um, if, if you're thinking I'm making up this story, but I've never seen him smile. And I saw the joy of God inside of him. And he was smiling ear to ear. And he said, Michael, the last time I saw you was at the hospital. I'm like, that's right, uncle. What did we talk about? And he said, we talked about Jesus. We talked about Jesus. And then I told uncle that Jesus loves you, that we're all sinners, that he died for our sins, and if you want to be saved, that you need to accept Jesus Christ into your life. And he said yes. And he accepted Christ. Yeah. He's, he's, with, he's with Jesus right now as we speak. And he accepted Christ. And at that moment, I saw that uncle was satisfied. He had joy coming out. And as I was prepping for this message, I thought there was a contrast, right? We talked about Tom Brady before. He is on top of the world, according to our society. He has it all, money, fame, wealth. And yet, he is saying that he's lacking this joy. While Uncle Roy is on his deathbed, he's hurting. He is having a hard time breathing, hard time drinking even water. And he had this joy that I've never seen before. And it's incredible. It's incredible. And before I close, there's a question that Kiki's been asking our Mission Valley youth. And I think it's a very convicting question. And this question comes from John Piper. He's a well-known pastor and writer. And he writes, The critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasure you ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disaster, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? Could you be happy? I can't answer that question for you, right? Of course, we know what the right answer is, right? You can only answer that yourself. But you know what? I could answer on behalf of Jesus. He couldn't imagine living in heaven without us. That's why he came down 2,000 years ago from heaven and was born as a little baby. He grew up and lived a perfect life. He got mocked, beaten beyond recognition, and he was nailed onto the cross. And he rose again three days later to prove that he is God indeed. And that's why we can have joy next Sunday for Christmas. Because he took our sins away. Amen? Can we clap that up, Jesus? Right? And that's why we can 
enjoy Jesus. And that's why he gives us great joy. Without him, we have nothing. And at this time, I want to close in prayer. But I want to give people the opportunity to accept Christ for the very first time. Or if you want to rededicate your life to Christ, I'd like you to join me in prayer. Can we pray? And I want you to repeat this and make it as your own. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are God's son. You died on a cross for us. You rose again three days later from the grave. I am a sinner that needs you. Please forgive me of my sins. From today on, I'm asking you into my life as my Lord and Savior. And with all heads bowed down and eyes closed, except for the pastors, please raise your hand if you prayed that prayer for the very first time or you want to rededicate your life to Christ. We want to know so that we can walk with you in this exciting new journey. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us true life. A life with true purpose and love. We praise you for the people that were bold enough to say that they need you. You're an awesome God. I know that you'll walk alongside these people as they start this new journey with you because you are, because they are your children. Please continue to speak and guide their hearts for you. We know that you love them dearly, more than they could ever, ever imagine. I pray that you will surround them with brothers and sisters that will support them on this incredible journey. Please surround them with your love for them to grow their passion for you. So, Father God, thank you for blessing our morning together. You are a God that does not need us, but desire to be with us because you love us. You are the source of our joy. I pray that you continue to use us with great passion with whatever we may possess. We pray that we will hand everything over to you as the little boy did in the story, for we know that a little with you will take us a long ways. We pray that we can further your kingdom in the Sangiro Valley, for us to reach the lost, and for us to be more like you, Jesus. We give you all the praise all the glory and all the honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen.